Well, good morning, Refuge Church. How are we doing this morning? Yeah, I read a, a tweet. Let me see if I can get this going. Uh, I read a tweet this, uh, this past week that said, it said, good morning, and I hope everyone has a good day, except for those speakers that say, how are we doing, and then it's not loud enough, and so they say, how are we doing? And so I'm going to ask again, how are we doing this morning? That's better. That works. That works. Uh, well, hey, if we haven't met yet, I'm Paul Dacus. Uh, as of uh, four days ago, I'm uh, now the uh, student director here at Refuge. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited. It's good and bad because, you know, the, I, so this is my third sermon. Uh, first two uh, wasn't being paid, so it was kind of on free credit. You know, you got what you paid for. Uh, this is the third one. Man, I, I always get nervous before preaching, but uh, uh, Scott had some comforting words for me a couple of days ago. He said, you know, uh, the good thing about the third sermon is that if this goes poorly, you can actually get fired for it. So uh, it was real nice, and I just feel great about that. Hey, uh, it's 4th of July. Uh, who here would put the 4th of July as like a top five holiday? Think, think about it. I, th- I think we got, wow, claps. All right. Sounds good. I think I'd put it there too. Uh, I mean, man, it's like full swing of summer. Like summer's just, summer's going. I get to wear this shirt that, you know, super patriotic once a year that fit me a few years ago doesn't anymore. Uh, man, the British are still defeated. Uh, USA is still back-to-back World War champs. It is good, good, uh, good day, good holiday. Uh, but hey, the American church has a, deci- a decision to make. I realize it's kind of hard to see this, but I came across this this week. It's got a guy, he's sweating. He's got two buttons to press. It says, uh, July 4th falls on a Sunday, and this guy represents the American church. And one, bu- one button says, a normal worship service. The other one says a patriotic service. He's like, man, which one, which one do we do? And then you have a decision to make too. Uh, this one, maybe you've seen some of these. He says, I'm going to church on July 4th. She says, to worship Jesus, right? He's got an American flag and an American eagle in there. She says, to worship Jesus, right? Anyway, so what do you think we're going to do today? That's what we're going to do. Uh, hey, so here at Refuge, we do something called expository preaching, and if you don't know what that is, but we go through a book of the Bible, we go verse by verse, line by line, uh, so that we can't skip over uh, the tough stuff. So that's what we're going to do today, so I promise I'm not going to ask you to accept Fox News into your heart or uh, exchange amens for Americas, all that would be kind of cool if you want to do that. Uh, and we are not, unfortunately, going to sing a Toby Keith worship song at the end, so sorry about that. But, uh, but hey, I did have a few thoughts for the holiday uh, today before we get into Scripture. So something else we talk about here at Refuge is redeeming the holidays. And if you've heard it, uh, so we don't shy away from those holidays that are not necessarily Christian. So one example would be uh, Halloween. Uh, so Halloween, we say, uh, you know, Instead of just not celebrating that, we want to be the ones that are generous and we're the ones that are opening up our homes and uh, you know, getting the best candy and stuff like that. So I was thinking about how do we redeem uh, the 4th of July, even though it's a, it's a pretty celebratory um, holiday by itself. But uh, one question I wanted to ask is, so when I say the 4th of July, when you think of the 4th of July, what are some imagery that pops up or what are the things that just immediately you start thinking about? Fireworks. What else? What was that? Terry? Oh, Terry. Yeah, that's right. What else? Did someone say beer? (laughs) That's like, man, sir, there are Baptists here. Uh, What else? The flag. Okay. 
Red, white, and blue, all good things. Uh, I'm going to reshape how we think about this. Some of those are actually one of the things, uh, but I want you guys to think about poppets. You know what these are, these little deals here? So let me explain what, that, what I mean by that. So I've come up with four Fs for just ways that we can be thinking about this specific <laughs> holiday. Uh, so first one's freedom, and then fall as in the fall or uh, yes, the, the fall, I guess. Uh, fireworks and then the fleeting life, those kind of go uh, together. So first, uh, we'll talk about freedom. So I think I've heard it, you know, when we see the flag, what are some things that, like, that this flag represents? I know we have some service members in here. Like, what, are those, what are some things that that represents to people? Freedom. Yep. So this flag is a symbol of freedom. It was blood-bought sacrifice that we can be up here, we can be in a nation where we can freely read our Bibles, where we can freely preach the gospel, where you can freely uh, talk to your neighbor about the gospel. That can't be said about a lot of the world. So when we see this, we should see a, a very good thing. But something that even above that, freedom-wise, we should be thinking about, maybe if I can get this working here, you guys might have to help me back there. Yep, not working with me. There we go. This symbol here. Not necessarily the refuge, but when we think of freedom, this is where our true freedom comes from, from the cross. Uh, So just as this should be light years ahead of when we think of freedom, we see the cross, and then a long, long list down, and then we see... Uh, we see the American flag. So today, when you think of when you see these patriotic things, you see these freedom, uh, symbols of freedom, think first of the cross, and then reflect on, uh, on our past. So go back, and then, so the fall, the reason we think of these things is because as good as America is, America is a young country, and America will no doubt fall. It will fall. Uh, we see that in, uh, in Romans, uh, Romans 14, 11, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So America will fall. We will be, or the word of God will stand. So just think of these things. Last, we have fireworks and the fleeting life. So I talked about, about poppets. I've got some of these with me. It's always dangerous to bring up, uh, you know, props, because they may or may not work. So you've seen that, geez, these are not good. You've seen these things that go... There we go. Works. So when I when you see fireworks and you see these poppets, I want you to think about maybe kind of depressed. This is your life, and you're dead. That's it. <laughs> also with fireworks, we have smoke. So this is really cool. In Ecclesiastes, that's what uh, our life is called. It's called smoke. That life is here. It's visible. You can see it. You try to grab it, and it's gone. So it's here for a second, and then it's just gone. Also in James 4, 13 through 17, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Thank you. There we go. Psalm 102, for my days pass away like smoke, my bones burn like a furnace. So again, the the imagery of smoke, that it's here one day, gone the next. Psalm 39, behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you, as in before God. Surely all mankind stands a mere breath. So again, as you're seeing these fireworks, as you're seeing the smoke up, think of this this is your life. You know, it's there one day, it's gone the next. You know, maybe you live to be... Uh, like 115 years old, so maybe it's just like a little bit farther, but it's just, it's there and it's gone for one day. So the key there, as you're at these barbecues, enjoy life, because it may not be here tomorrow. Enjoy that burger. If you're vegan, enjoy that water and just (laughs) 
enjoy it. Um, and also find someone to talk to. Find someone to talk to about the gospel because you don't know when you will see them next. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be going into Genesis 47. Turn with me there, if you will. And so you'll see a lot of these themes that I just brought up are actually in Genesis 47, so I promise I'll, I'll go back to those. And we're going to read through, read through the whole thing first. So, uh, so a little background real quick. At the end of Genesis 46, if you remember, uh, so Joseph is bringing his family into a new land. And when he, he has a, like a miniature pep talk with his brothers before he goes in, and he says, hey, uh, when we go talk to Pharaoh, you need to make sure you tell them that we are shepherds. And he says that because every shepherd in, uh, in Egypt is seen as an abomination. So it sets them apart from the rest of Egypt. Paul preached on that. Uh, last week. So we'll start in, verse four, uh, excuse me, in 47, verse 1. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and herds and all that they possess, uh, have come to the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, and for the, fam- the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your, uh, and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them set- settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able, uh, able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession of the land, in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's, father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Joseph and the famine, verse 13. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for grain that they had bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all, was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock, if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all of their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, we will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent. The herds, of life, the herds of livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. 
But why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, that we will make that we will we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh, and give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For all the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's, and as for the people, he made servants of them. One end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, "Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest, you shall give a, give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be your own as seed for the food." Excuse me, for the field, as for the and excuse me, and as food for yourselves and your households, and as food for your little ones. And they said, "You have saved our lives. May it please my lord. We will be servants to Pharaoh." So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt,、uh, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it. And they were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for seventeen years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were one hundred and forty-seven years. And when the and when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, "If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers." Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He answered, "I will do as you said." And he said, "Swear to me." And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. So let me pray for us first before we go、uh, back into the、uh, the scripture. God,、uh, great, good, and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you、uh, first and foremost that we、uh, have ultimate freedom in you,、uh, Lord. That we get to open your word. That we get to Uh, read uh, your words, and God. This morning,、uh, as we go through、uh, your your word, would you just、uh, show us something new? Show us how good you are, and Lord, those that、uh, are here that do not know you, Lord, would you just reveal yourself to them in a new way? Will I disappear, and your words remain, Lord? We pray this in your Son's name, Amen. So, like I did with my last sermon, I wanted to give you the kind of the big bullet points up front. So, if there's anything. That you take away from this. These are kind of the themes、uh, that we see here. So the first,、uh, first and foremost, you may have seen a couple times in, script, in this particular scripture the word sojourning.、Uh, so I put here that we are sojourners in this land, and that this life is temporary. So that's a, it's been a, another theme in Genesis. Second one, God keeps His promises, and that He is a provider. So、uh, I had a couple people these last couple months saying, you know, hey, it's great going through Genesis, but We're kind of hitting on the same things over and over. Like, are we going to get to something new? And I was, I was thinking about it, you know, because this one has popped up so many times that God keeps His promises, that God is a provider, I and mean, we see it all through Genesis.、Um, but we need to hear it, and we need to hear it over and over again because we forget, and we need to know that. So when we get there, when we get to a time, we're like, man, I don't know if He's going to provide.、Um, he does. And lastly, we look forward to God's promises.、Uh, you know, in this time. That was what they were looking forward to. Where it's a little bit different now that we have、uh, we have Jesus, but in this time you can see the faith working through、uh, through these these people in Scripture. 
So we'll go back to, uh, to verse 1. I'm going to read it one more time. It is a bit of a uh, story. Hopefully you were following along. I'm just going to go back through, um, through the first part, uh, and then we'll stop there. Uh, so Jacob's family settles in Goshen. So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. Remember, they, they premeditated that. They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn, there's a word, in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know of any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob and his father and stood, before, or stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life and they have not attained to the days and the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them possession of the land in Egypt in the best, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. So again, we see this, this word sojourning, and there's actually a couple different places that we see it and a couple different meanings. So the first one is when Joseph is talking about uh, we are sojourners in this land. This was more of a strategic, uh, you know, we are coming, we're not settling here, we're not a threat uh, to Pharaoh. And so they're saying, hey, we're just stopping through. And then we have uh, Jacob, who he's talking about more of a holistic uh, sojourning through life. And so they got me thinking about, you know, what is another word for it is pilgrimage. He's talking about a, a pilgrimage. And so, you know, any religion, you know, the, the, the idea of a pilgrimage is that you're getting closer to an ultimate relationship with whatever you are worshiping. So in our case, I love this idea of sojourning, where not only are we just passing through on this earth, but are we actually on a pilgrimage? Are we actually doing something to get closer to God? Are we just going through our lives? Or are we doing something? Are we worshiping, doing everything we do uh, with worship? And that's how they talk about it here in Scripture. And I just love that idea of, of just temporary. They're here temporarily. This is what, uh, what Jesus himself says in uh, Matthew 14, 24 through 26, kind of this idea uh, of sojourning. So, uh, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So this idea here of sojourning is, that, is the picking up the cross. So Jesus is saying, pick up your cross and walk with me. So picking up the cross, that, you know, I could take a bunch of different uh, meanings, a bunch of different ways of you know, suffering, things like that. But that is something that's temporary. And then he says, walk with me and follow me. And that's a, that's a permanent thing. So I encourage us today, you know, whatever that, that cross is for you, you know, we have it somewhat easy here in the U.S. with our freedoms, but 
pick up your cross, that temporary cross, and follow Jesus, which is something permanent. What does this practically look like? It means leave everything. If it comes to that, leave everything to follow Jesus. I have no doubt that here in this room or online, uh, there's somebody that's feeling that call to ministry, specifically to go somewhere. And you know what? We need it. We need it here, and we need people to go. And so if God's calling you to do that, leave everything and go follow Jesus for something that is permanent. In this story, if you've seen earlier, God tells an 130-year-old man, uh, Jacob, he says, hey, leave, get your butt up, and go to Egypt, and also you're going to die there. And what does Jacob do? He goes. So he asks him to do that. He gets up and he goes. And this is the one thing about if he would have stayed and saved his life, as we see here from what Jesus says, he would have lost it. But because he went up and, and left and he was obedient, he gained his life. Another interesting thing that we see here is when Jacob says, few and evil have been the days of my life. If that, was, if that kind of jumped out to anybody else, I, kind of, I translate this as, you know, Jacob's seen some stuff. I mean, he's 130 years old, which for him and his forefathers, that's actually young, so that's why he's saying, few and evil have been the days of my life. Another translation of this would be few and miserable uh, this evil in this context is actually a, like a more of a misery. So he's like, hey, I haven't been here long, uh, but I've seen some stuff, and I've, uh, I've been through some misery, almost like a sense of regret. Now, if y'all thought I was going to go through a whole sermon without showing a picture of my, my daughter, you are wrong, very wrong. So, you know, when I think of this, you know, I see, I'll pause. Oh, thank you. So when you see, you know, a baby, innocent, they haven't seen anything. So if, you, know, you know what I'm talking about where you see somebody, you're just, you don't even know them, but you look at them and you're like, man, they've seen something. You know? I think of the, uh, the war veterans. You, know, you see somebody like this and you're like, man, he's, uh, he's, seen some, he's seen some stuff. If you don't know, this is uh, Richard Overton. He was the uh, longest or the oldest living World War II veteran up until three years ago. He was 113 years old. Great story if you, if you want to go look that up. But somebody that you, know, you look at and you're like, man, they've, they've just seen something. So I picture that's how Jacob is here. He's like, he's being honest. He's like, man, I've seen some stuff in my life. And he's telling this to Pharaoh, and he's old, and he just doesn't care, so he's going for it. Few and evil have been the days, the years of my life. So if we look back, what are those miseries? His miseries have been at the hand of Laban, the rape of his daughter Dinah, his love of Rachel, she died, his eldest son's power-seeking incest, and his favorite son's apparent death. I mean, that's enough. Uh, misery for, you know, just a, a few short years, as well as all the things that he's done, uh, tricking his brother Esau, and then everything that came from that, if you remember, just full of misery. Something that I like here, though, is that the Bible paints, so here's one of God's chosen, uh, but does, does it paint him in like a, you know, he's the hero of the story? Does it paint him as somebody who's had this, this wonderful long life? No, it paints him as a, a real human who's really seen some stuff. So for you here today, uh, I'm sure some of us can identify with, you know, these short years or maybe something that you've been through uh, before. And again, it should be comforting knowing that, that this is one of God's chosen people and that he's seen so much, so much misery. But as we'll find out later in the story, uh, God still has a plan to prosper him and still has uh, hope to give for him. Another verse that gives us comfort is 2 Corinthians 4.17. It says, For this light and momentary, light and momentary affliction... It's preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So takeaway here is if you're going through trials, hold on. And if you're going through them right now or when you go through them, hold on because your trials do have an expiration date. You may look at this and see, man, I've got to wait 130 years for my trials to have the expiration date. The truth is, is that those, those trials may be they may end tomorrow, they may end a week from now, they may end in a few years, but everything, if you are in Christ, you know every trial that you go through is ultimately going to work for good. How can we know that? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for, for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So again, hold on. And what do you hold on to? Do you try to white-knuckle it? Do we try to um, do it all ourselves? You hold on to the cross. Look forward to what, God is our, what God's promised and look back at what he's already done. We continue in verse 13. Now there was no, or excuse me, Joseph in the famine is what the title of this one. No, uh, now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they had bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give us your livestock, or give your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone. So they brought their, they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for their horses, the flocks, the herds, the don- and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We will not hide from, any, or from my Lord that our money is all spent. The herds of livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. But why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy, our land for, buy us and our land for food, and we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land for in, of Egypt for Pharaoh, for all the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants to them from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day brought you and your land for, bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for, for the field, as food for yourselves and your households, and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord. We will be servants to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh shall have, a, have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it, and they were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the days of the years of his life were 147. 
So going through there, so he goes, there's a, a big famine that's going through the land um, of, uh, of Goshen, well, actually of all of Egypt and of Canaan. Um, and so we see here that Joseph, he's actually a shrewd uh, businessman. Uh, so he gains up all the, all the uh, livestock, all the land, all the seed, uh, and ultimately all the people. So they, they were desperate. They were about to die, and so they, they looked to him. Uh, so all the while, he's gaining these things so that he can eventually uh, help them out. Uh, so he earned his money. He was wise. And uh, I think that's a good, good takeaway, at least it was for me. So earning money, being wise with money, so that eventually we can uh, help others with that money. It's not to, to, to gain it all, hold it for ourselves, but ultimately that we help out others uh, with that. And that's the position that he was in. Now, some people might ask, was he actually exploiting them? Because he, uh, he actually was taking what they had grew or what they'd grown, and he was selling it back to them. And did you catch what the percentage of that was? or any math nerds in here? So fifth, what's that? 20%. So if you look in context, actually you could look at it today, but if we look back in context, the, the tax rate back then, it wasn't uncommon for it to be 50 to 60% of, uh, at that time. So Joseph was actually giving it back to them at a discount, and they got to keep 80%, and they lived. So that's a pretty good, pretty good deal. I think even today, the average American pays 30%, so he was even better today. I think my aunts from California are here. They would kill for that, uh, that kind of tax rate, but that's a different sermon. <clears throat> um, so you know, as we see, no one complained, and we can look at the, at the very end of it uh, where they, you know, they said, you, sa- you have saved our lives. So obviously they were uh, happy and they were glad to, give, uh, to keep 80% and give 20% uh, there. So the big takeaway from this whole story up until now, and we kind of uh, talked about it earlier, is that God is the provider. And so I, I was looking through this and came up with, there's really five big places where, or big times where uh, God was the provider. So first, he provided land to them in a place where they were unfamiliar with. Uh, two, they provided food uh, during a famine. So while everybody else was about to starve, God was providing his chosen people uh, with food. They got it for free. Uh, something else I thought was interesting is that even though they got it for free, he was actually, God was still providing for those who were outside of his chosen people. All the people of Egypt were still provided for uh, at a 20% tax, but still, he was still providing for them. Uh, he provided employment. So not only did Pharaoh just say, hey, you can come and stay here, but he's like, hey, I'm going to give you uh, employment. You can be shepherds, you know, and you'll be over my livestock. He provided an increase in possessions even during a time of famine. And lastly, he multiplied them. So not only did they uh, come here and they just, they lived and they didn't die, he actually multiplied them as a fulfillment of earlier uh, promises to Israel. Another big thing here, we talked about Jacob earlier, few and miserable were his, uh, were his days. Ultimately, we see that he lives 17 more years, so that should be an encouragement. It doesn't really go into detail about what those 17 years look like, but we can infer that it was a time of peace uh, that they prospered, that they multiplied. So ultimately, even though he said few and miserable or few and evil were my, my years, uh, those last 17 years before his death, uh, he was being prospered. So God still provided for him there. And ultimately, he was preparing them for a time that was to come. So in the final part of, uh, of Genesis 47, verse 29, And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, 
but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, swear to me. And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. I thought this was, this was uh, you know, he said, put your hand under my thigh. That was something I'm not going to do what Scott did and make somebody else. I think it's a couple times now in, in scripture that we've seen that. So uh, that might be a little weird. But this was ultimately a, 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 a promise. And you notice he says twice, swear to me. Uh, and, and he made, uh, excuse me, Joseph promise that he was going to bury him uh, back in the land of his father. So this, a big takeaway here is that we look forward just as uh, Jacob was looking forward to the, to the promises. This was a declaration of faith. He was saying, bury me back with my forefathers in, in accordance with what God had promised. He says, take me back home. Uh, he doesn't belong here. So this was his hope. This was uh, what he was looking forward to. And just like the people of Israel, we look forward to a coming age where we are in eternity uh, with Christ. And that's where you may have heard this in the parentheses. And I love this, this idea of already but not yet. So already but not yet. We know Jesus, what Jesus has already done. He's already died. He's already risen for our sins. Uh, but we're not there yet where we're in eternity with him. And so we're in this in-between. And so what Jacob had was this promise from God the same promise that he gives to us, which I'll get into, um, that he will eventually prosper us and we will be with him. And it kind of goes back to this idea of sojourning, uh, that we're here on earth for a short time and that we should live as such, live loosely, live uh, or hold on to things loosely because this is not our home and our eventual home is with our creator. Something else that blew my mind when I was thinking about this is that, again, the same promise that Abraham was given and that Isaac was given and that Jacob was given is the same promise that we are given in terms of our eventual when Jesus comes back. So they're going to be buried, and uh, Jacob goes back to be buried in in the land that was promised to him. And while he's in eternity, uh, the next time that he actually sees this land, this promised land, when those dry bones, you know, he's buried, he's dead, uh, but when those dry bones come back to life is the same time that we are going to see eternity, when we come back uh, to be with Jesus. That's just mind-blowing to me. So what are we called to do as we kind of close here? The big thing is walk by faith, trust in God's promises. Not only trusting in God's promises, but more specifically, trust in Jesus. Uh, what he's, again, this already but not yet. What has he already done? Trust in him Cling to the cross. You know, we've heard, we've seen, I think we've actually, uh, Paul went over it last week, you know, the, the old hymn, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. This was kind of a joke, but I, I kind of like this idea. Uh, I saw somebody said, you know, the, the hymns are going to be a little different when we're in eternity. Instead of uh, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. It's going to be nothing in my hands I brung, simply to the cross I clung. I was like, I like that. So we're going to walk out of here, and we're going to see lots of symbols of freedom. And uh, I want, again, to think back on what is the ultimate freedom. And when you see those people that you know that are not in the household of of God, um, that we are reaching out to them, because today is a day for freedom. Today we celebrate this freedom, but that freedom that we we, uh, ultimately need only comes from Christ. So as we're going out about our day, uh, think back on that. And today, if there's anybody who 
uh, is not out, or who's outside the household of faith, who's someone who doesn't know Jesus, man, I want to talk. Uh, this idea of picking up your cross uh, to follow Jesus, that's not something that any of us, we've got it figured out, and we, we do. It's something that, that we want to walk through together. That's why we have uh, the elders here. That's why we have uh, GCs, um, why we have small groups. So, um, man, I would love to talk more about that right after, after here. So church, let's go out in freedom today, in the freedom that the, only the cross can offer. Let's pray.